Hello everybody and welcome to episode 79 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, SNES pre-orders were an absolute disaster, Shenmue 3 features dull, lifeless eyes that now haunt my dreams, Xbox One X suffers another potential setback, and our book club this week is about one of the most unique experiences in games in recent years, Journey. Let's start the show. This is Link to the Cast, episode 79 from Link to the Cast.eu, available on all your favourite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan, joined as I am every week by the platforming prodigy, Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you? Good and talk. How, how are things? How's, how's your week been? Quiet, for the most part. Yeah. Um, trying to really cut down on, on the carbs and... Uh, fatty foods and whatnot in preparation for uh, the Mrs. Uh, brother's wedding this weekend. So mm. um, I completely ruined that when I came back. Was it last week? What was it I had? Well, you had like two racks of ribs to give me a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> that was fun. And then I think around that same time, you also had cheesecake to give me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it didn't really help the weekend. You have a going. running gimmick around the house of the spare food going. Well, it's not like I I go for it like I'm Gollum. Like, no, but it, it's a commonly acknowledged fact that you will eat anything, uh, more or less, more <laughs> or less. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I mean the suit still fits. So that's good. It's amazing that an eighty quid suit from Pennies, and I I think I look pretty decent in it. All like, right, picking yourself up. That, I know. <laughs> I was being very. It's a break from type. Yeah. Fairness. Yeah, true. So yeah, it's fine. Nothing really to report. What about you? What's been going on? Uh good. We had a we've had a busy enough week in some ways because we had a SummerSlam weekend just oh, gone. Yeah, we did as and, well. And uh, we recorded a grab up podcast, our uh, our once in a while pro wrestling podcast. It should be up in the RSS feed uh, at the moment. Um, lot of lot of wrestling chatter going on there. So that was kind of my weekend was put around that. But I speaking of weddings, I went to a wedding last Friday. Uh, as well um and i don't know like do do you go to a lot of weddings do you find yourself going to a lot of weddings uh not really i've been to i think about four or five um like i mean my uncle got married and that was in vegas so it wasn't exactly a traditional wedding like in terms of kind of proper traditional weddings two yeah. And this will be the third this weekend, and even still, it's not going to be, like, in the church and all that mm. business, so... Yeah, I've gone to, like, a whole bunch, uh, like, big family both sides, and kind of uh, close enough in age to a lot of them that, th- that they would have all been getting married as I was growing up. Um, so I'm kind of, like, a, a wedding vet at this point, whereas uh, Emma, my girlfriend, like, it was only the second wedding she's ever been to. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so it was just, just kind of, like, it was... And it was a non-traditional one. It wasn't uh, in a church or anything like that, which I, I think, hypothetically, is, is the way I'd prefer to do it. Not a big churchy guy. Um, always seems kind of cool and efficient and nice to have the, the ceremony and everything... And the the meal and the 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 dancing and all that all in the one building seems like a 
an efficient use of time and a and a cool because like there's only like when you're when you're like i imagine when you're having a wedding in a church there's only so much you can do to gussy the place up make it feel homey for a wedding whereas with a, an actual venue they're like they're yeah, supposed well, to be i mean like i i didn't enjoy um the last one i went to uh earlier this year because we drove for about an hour and a half to go to the church and then we drove for about an hour to get back to where yeah. the, the hotel was. See, that's uh, it. Getting from the faffing but, around. Because it's tough to get like, um, like big venues, like hotels and stuff like that. Like it's tough to get one close to Certainly a, a big church. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, um, I, I thought this was a, a pretty cool wedding. Like they were the the two people were actually younger than me. That was, that's, a, that's a first for me. Are we reviewing weddings? But no, I, no I wanted like to, there's a, a couple of cool details that I thought that I I, I don't see it. I don't see it at many weddings. Um, and that was uh, firstly at the reception, which by the way, again, cool that we were able to just like walk out of the room it was in and then we were already at the reception. Not see, it's just us millennials. We're just lazy. We are know? very lazy people. But um, it was a, a like a candy themed wedding. So like when you Speaking go in, of millennials, when you Jesus. go in, there's like the, ruining the image of I know. marriage. God. When you go in, um, there's like the traditional like you know the way there's always champagne at the reception. There's yeah, one yeah. round of champagne for everybody. Um, there was like a fruit punch with white wine in it as well. Oh. Didn't didn't partake in any of that because I'm not a wine guy. And there was like at first that the finger food there was kind of just like there was a little jam tart and there was tiny little um baby chocolate eclairs mm-hmm. i thought okay no this is cool for the candy theme and then someone pointed out that there was actually uh, an ice cream van outside they had rented an ice cream van for the day so everyone was getting free ice cream cones and popcorn out of that like whatever Strong. your typical ice cream van would serve for the whole reception which really like keeps you going because a popular thing people give out about at weddings is the gap in between when the the service finishes and when people are actually fed. Yeah, yeah. If they're at it, like it's a like no matter how many weddings I go to, there will always be a large contingent of people bitching about the length of time it takes well, to get fed. So we, uh, I remember we had a pretty big meal. Um, I'd say around about seven o'clock, and then there was a whole bunch of dancing, and it was around about midnight that they actually brought the fit finger foods out. And that actually seemed to be okay in terms of pacing, but yeah. um, I wouldn't expect necessarily finger food late at night at, at many Irish weddings. No, this I've noticed seem... that's, a, that's a UK thing. I, Is I, it? I am told um, the one UK wedding I've been to had like um, the meal, and then later on at night it had the um, it, it they they brought out uh, roast roast pig on a spit, mm. and everyone had fresh. Pork I know, I know. We've got a hog roast this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I, I can't remember too much with Niners one, but like the um, the actual like bit where everyone came together after the the um, ceremony and whatnot, that was in like a big marquee, and mm-hmm. I, I think it was like on a farm. Yeah. So you know, there wasn't really a lot of options. I imagine to prepare finger foods and whatever else. Um, but I think the one this weekend, like it's, I mean, I'm just looking forward to because Laura's mother makes the best fucking cheesecake I've mm. ever had in my life, mm. and uh, I'm just looking for an excuse to have more cheesecake. Mm. So that works for me. Final final note from the wedding before we move on to video games. By the way, I I did appreciate, although I think it was a little bit, uh, maybe not necessarily the song you want to go with, but as the the band were warming up and making sure all their gear was working, the song they were playing was Bad Moon Rising. Fair. Creedence Clearwater Revival, which is a fucking belter, by mm-hmm. the way. So I knew I was going to enjoy that band, and I did. I, I'm very much looking forward to it as well. Um, so we have, and I probably, I'd imagine that a lot of weddings at this point in time do a similar thing where, like, you don't even really need to bother with a DJ. You can just go on Spotify, get a premium account for, like, the month, just 
download six hours worth of songs. When I, when I went to see a popular comedian, David O'Doherty, in, in Vicar Street, um, this would be nearly ten years ago now, his support act was his neighbour. And his neighbour just came out with his with David O'Doherty's laptop and took requests from his <laughs> iTunes folder. <laughs> and he had like a sheet of cardboard that he stapled to a bar stool with his phone number on it so he could text in the requests. Strong. It was it was a pretty sensational affair, I must say. Uh, shall we talk about some video games? Go on then. Playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Mark, you have uh, run roughshod over Sonic. Yeah. What's the world in Sonic called? Mobius? Something like that, isn't it? I just thought it was like Sonic World. I think it's like I think it's I think their version of Earth is called Mobius. Is it? I'm, that's I'm sure. again Dave Ryan, master of all Sonic lore. Do you, do you know I recently? Uh, this is a complete segue, by the way. I found out there's actually two separate uh, Sonic comic continuities. So there's probably been Americans who have thought I was mental uh, when I was talking about Sonic lore beforehand. But oh, so in America, I only found this out because there was a recent news story that the Sonic comic in America is ending. It had ended over here years ago, but it's being published in America by Archie Comics, well-known comics imprint. Okay. Um, you know, Archie, Jughead, uh, the Buffy comics, I think, came from there. Sabrina the Teenage Witch is an Archie Comics creation. Um, but yeah, they were publishing the Sonic comic, which was very much kind of like the cartoon and, and things like that. But then there was a British publisher who also got the the, the license to to make some of the uh, to make some Sonic comics of their own, and they went fucking off on one. Uh, like they were the ones I was t- I think I was talking about before about how like you know Sonic a uh, Super Sonic is this kind of like psychopathic alter ego of Sonic when Sonic completely loses control in a blind rage, almost like his version of the Hulk. Um, and how the backstory of Dr. Robotnik is that he was a guy called Omni Kintobor, who was a good guy, kind of in a very, like, uh, Dr. Why, Dr. Light situation, where there was a good doctor and then a bad doctor sort of situation. Um, well, look, here's the thing. It's a fucking weird continuity. Here's the thing. Whenever you have anything, really, and you implement it into the world of Sonic, it becomes ridiculous regardless uh-huh. so because it's fucking sonic you know Indeed. i tell you what i did find out yesterday actually the um the animated series of sonic boom is kind of amazing because it's really self-aware oh really like proper proper self-aware like mm. it's very on the nose about it like they'll be talking about some um animated series or video series or, or some kind of fictitious cartoon and they're like oh yeah that's so like the the remakes and the re they've rebooted it so many times and they've really lost the essence of what it's about yeah. or they'll be saying about oh i like <laughs> i like that character when he was two feet short they lost that that essence the subtext that sonic is famous for yeah like yeah um it's very very self-aware like it's actually yeah. kind of funny um a lot of the the uk sonic comics like there there is some self-awareness and some fourth wall breaking but there's definitely a lot of trying to sell people a sega saturn as well I, I i read back a couple of issues right before sonic mania came out and there was a lot of like 
here's all the cool stuff you can get on the Sega Saturn and I'd forgotten there was like different comics based on other Sega properties that they would do little runs of at the back of issues. Please tell me there was a Clockwork Night one. Uh, I don't know. In the couple of issues I read, the one that kept coming up, because apparently it was quite a popular one, just looking at the letters section, which, by the way, was a real joy mm-hmm. in those comics. Um, but do you remember Decap Attack? Rings a bell. You should look up Decap Attack. There was a Decap Attack comic, which was way better than the Decap Attack game. Okay. Is this Saturn, you were saying? Uh, I don't know if if Decap Attack itself was necessarily Saturn era. I can't really remember. I know the comic was in Sonic the Comic around the era of the Saturn. Uh, but I, I couldn't be exactly sure. But anyway, I'll look it up while you're talking about this because you have, as I said, run roughshod over Sonic Mania. Oh, yeah. Give sure. me some kind of... Um, your 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 thoughts on your experience with Sonic Mania now that you've completed it. I'm still a bit behind you because I keep getting distracted. Yeah, I, so I've gone through it now twice. Once with... Actually, no, three times thinking about it. Because the first time I didn't get all the KS Emeralds. And so I went back and did it once yeah. with Sonic and Tails, and then once with Knuckles. And it's... Genesis, by the way. Decap Attack was 1991. Oh, it was Genesis. Genesis. Mega Drive, damn it. You're on, the, you're on this side of the I don't know if it got released in the UK, so... Still, <laughs> I'm sorry. Mega Drive means Mega, Mega Drive. Drive. All right, red, white, and blue Mega Genesis Drive is a great name, though. It is I'll give you that. Um, it's yeah, Sonic Mania. It's it's a very very good game. It's it's you know it's a great Sonic game. Um, it sits comfortably alongside Sonic One, Two, Three, and Knuckles and CD. There are some people that don't seem to like Three. Some people that don't seem to like uh, CD. Whatever. Uh, Mania really is, when you look at it, just a, a love letter, a real kind of joyous piece of um, modded fan work that's been given, or uh, the creators that have been given the time and the money and the official get-go from Sega to say, hey, go and make this game. Yeah. And it really shows throughout the game. You know, mm. there, There's no one section, there's no stone that's not turned and just given a, a real kind of polish and sheen and there's just this character and this color and there's all these little easter eggs uh you're a gamer we've got a really good piece about 25 easter eggs that you can spot throughout the game um you know they take bits and pieces from older levels and they add little bits and pieces like in oil ocean when you've got the flame shield it will set the oil on fire yeah. if you run through it um, they've got the buzzing noise from the 25th anniversary that plays in the background when you beat one of Robotnik's uh, bosses. Uh, just just all over the place. Now, I will say, I'm, I'm kind of in, agree- in agreement with some people that I've uh, seen online saying that the, the game towards the end, it does lose a little bit. And it's kind of... It is kind of an inherent problem with Sonic that the whole point of Sonic, you know, his whole philosophy, if you will, is that he just he has to go fast. I think that's fair to say. He has got to go fast. He does have to go fast. Um, And so, and this has kind of been a problem throughout Sonic games where towards the end, where they have whether it's like a Sky Fortress or the last level Sonic 3. I fucking hate that zone. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Launch base zone. That's the one. And they go more into the platforming and it does slow down a little bit and it does get a bit frustrating. And I can absolutely see why people just might think uh, with Metallic Madness and uh, Titanic Monarch, the, the last two zones, 
I can see where the frustration might come in. Uh, certainly on repeated playings as well, uh, it does just get a bit of a grind and you just want to get to the end of it and be done with it. So I do see some of the agreement there. I see how that can knock down the experience a little bit. Um, I definitely on repeated playings as well, it really shows that there's just not enough original levels. You know, I, you can't fault um, Headcanon and Christian Whitehead for the what they've done with the old levels and yeah. you know like the second zones of all of those or the second acts of all of those zones you know there's so many kind of gimmicks and mechanics and they definitely don't feel like they've just slightly enhanced the original zones not the case at all you know mm. there's a lot of work it's going more it's it. less you know uh what can we tack on it much, much more work and more like how far can we take this concept yeah yeah but i do feel that because I really like the Studiopolis zone. Uh, I really like Press Garden. And what I like about them is that they have a pretty unique feel, but also the fucking soundtracks are banging on both of those mm -hmm. levels. So I feel it's just a missed opportunity that... Um, and it, it might have just been a Sega directive. It's like, hey, like, go some way out with doing some original stuff, but don't go too far out. Um, but I really hope that... And we won't know uh, sales because it is all digital so yeah. you know um it is getting a physical release isn't it apparently i think i don't know if it's only like a limited release though mm. um so like no one knows how well it's done but i mean yeah. considering the, the the press coverage you've seen and the fact that it's what like 85 on metacritic i think for whatever that's worth uh across the board you know people do like it so i think it should sell well yeah even people who just habitually don't tend to like sonic have been really enjoying it yeah yeah uh, and so I can only hope that Sega looks at this and just says, hey, you know what, go and make a Mania 2 and, you know, take a couple of other levels, but do more. Or what I'd really like is if they just add some DLC, like, say, 10, 15 just quid. Like a level pack. And just know. throw, like, four zones in there, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. Because with Sonic, it's the kind of game where, like, it doesn't... I... <sighs> I don't think it really needs too much in the way of like these zones must go in a sequential order to really give the the flow of the game. I don't think it's the case. Just give me a bunch of zones that I can fuck around in, you know. Uh, and certainly because I've been enjoying the the time attack uh, uh, mode and just you know trying to get my times down and, and whittle them down as much as I can. So yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. How much more have you played of it since last week? Um, Jesus God, I haven't played it in a few days. I'm at the um, I'm at a bit eight stages in i think like i really haven't i i butted my head against um metal sonic for a while okay who is is it stardust speedway yeah. active yeah. yeah so i'm past him now and i'm at the next one um i don't want to gild lily too much by kind of giving away what's going on in, in act two there but that's kind of where i am and it's not that I've, I've hit a wall well i keep hitting things because one of the the, the the drawbacks of the game that a lot of people point out is how in weird ways the difficulty curve kind of goes mental out of nowhere and kind of the, yeah. the idea that like you'll be running along and it will deliberately in a place where it looks like you should be going fast like sonic should they will just put something that you will hit off and lose all your rings which is kind of like oh, why'd you have to do that you well know? i i feel that that's always been the case um yeah and it I feels think like from 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 stardust speedway act two and the next stage i'm sorry that the name escapes me it feels like it's just it's it's more noticeable than usual perhaps and although it, i'm not going very far before i hit something yeah you know? i think the 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 
the only kind of counter argument I make to that is because of the the ease that you can get back up to speed between the Sonic Dash, which we've had since two, and the new technique where when you jump the, up in the, the air, drop dash. the drop dash, yeah, like which is just a satisfying thing to say, by the way, it very much drop is, dash. yeah, uh, and it's really useful in the time attack mode. Um, that I'm finding that even if momentum does stop, like pretty much straight away, I'm I'm back going again. Like mm-hmm. in like Sonic One, yeah, like yeah, momentum... you know, like it's grand for momentum. Like it doesn't break the momentum for too long, but it's more like when I want to hold on to loads of rings, it's annoying. Uh, see, now I'm past that now because I'm in uh, the the bit where I can just go into supersonic mode whenever I want. Like I get to about sixty rings and like right, yeah, let's yeah, go. That'd be nice. You collect all the chaos emeralds for that. Yeah, yeah. I will say that the kind of um, secret ending pass once you have all the Chaos Emeralds mm-hmm. it's just like one stage it's a bit disappointing like yeah. I'd have liked if they'd given a little bit more for yeah. putting the work in um, so that's that and then the other thing I've been playing a bit is Slime San which is this uh, digital game for Steam and Switch oh it's a very Mark Robinson game it's a retro platformer yeah. retro style looking platformer with mm. five colours it classifies itself as a five bit game uh, it's pretty much Meat Boy but with a few other bells and whistles. I've only played about an hour of it so far. Um, And the thing I'm getting actually more than anything else with the game itself is that the more that I play um, a bunch of different games, definitely like platforming games, I really need to get myself a pro controller because I like the Joy-Con controller for what it is, but as an actual controller to really... um, feel like you're fully fully in control certainly yeah. for stuff like twitch based games like it's been fine for for the most part splatoon it's kind of fine with breath of the wild but with 2d platformers it's just not just because of the way the and i know why they've made them the way they are but just where the the uh, d-pad is and the analog stick is just because this like directly on top or the, the stick is like directly above mm. the d-pad where that's you know not the case with the, the xbox or the, the sony controllers yeah i think as well definitely a case like once you've you've sampled that pro controller as you did it, it is tough to go back yeah, yeah 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 it's like it's easier when you don't know what you're missing out on yeah how, like well it can control and so the d-pad the d-pad is fine but i do find myself kind of flicking against the analog stick yeah. a lot of the time mm. um and the analog sticks do feel a bit flimsy you know so um but the game itself is it's like meat boy you know if you like meat boy you're gonna probably find some enjoyment in this uh and it's probably the first game i've played where i really prefer just having it actually on the what playing it like handheld it doesn't yeah. really translate too well to the big screen so. yeah i like uh puyo puyo tetris as my handheld yeah. or tabletop game um, still looks good on the TV. Oh, yeah, I just sure, like yeah. holding a handheld like yeah. straight up in front of my face. Um, I've been playing, only released today, so I'm not too far into it, but uh, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, oh. which is sort of your expansion, uh, story expansion for Uncharted 4, although it is a completely different story, really. So I don't know how, like it's very loose, the idea of it being an expansion. Um, how many other games have we had? do this kind of thing where it's not DLC it is a standalone game was um, Ooh, uh, was Left Infamous Behind Last Light was standalone L- Last of Us Left Behind was standalone um fuck um I don't know there's not many not many some would say that Far Cry Primal probably should have just been an expansion <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. it was a complete reskin of. Yeah. But anyway. But I like this approach. Uh, yeah, it's cool. It's you're getting a lot of game in it. Apparently, it's about eight hours long, which is um, 
pretty meaty for a an expansion a story expansion like you're expecting when it's the extra 20 or 30 quid onto the price of a retail game you're expecting maybe four hours i think is about par um so getting something this big um is pretty good um and as well, it, it's great because I already got rid of my copy of Uncharted 4, and because it's a standalone, it's its own separate tile on the PlayStation, on your, on your, um, on the, the, the UI there, so, uh, you don't need the Uncharted 4 disc to be able to play it once you have the, the download, um, down and um before i get into it as well you get the bonus that if you had um if you'd pre-ordered it or gotten the season pass on chart four there's uh also a copy of jack and daxter the precursor legacy that just came with it uh upresed for ps4 which i haven't dipped into yet but that's a pretty cool little bonus there gotta love some jack and oh daxter. wait so that's uh you said that's a ps4 upres version not the uh part of the, the trilogy version that was on ps3 i don't think so hmm. could be wrong because that's, be well, that's the version I had, because that was on PS uh, Vita that I was playing that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not in, again, because I haven't dipped into it. I only sure, found sure. out that this was a thing a couple of days ago, so don't take my word as gospel. But uh, Lost Legacy is um, sort of a, a spin-off, because uh, Uncharted 4 was, the I, I think, the, the best possible end to, to Nathan Drake's story arc that you could have had. Um, and I think... It was a smart move to not go with him as the principal character in this expansion because I don't think we need any more Nathan Drake. No. And I think if the series is going to continue, you need to explore peripheral characters or secondary characters like this. Uh, and I imagine it's like it's too valuable of a franchise not to want to explore the possibility of doing more eventually. Uh, even though Naughty Dog will be moving primarily onto Last of Us Part Two now that this is out. But uh, it follows two kind of secondary characters from previous games. Uh, Chloe Frazier, who is from Uncharted 2, I think. Uh, and uh, Nadine Ross, who is the the kind of... The, the woman you were butting heads with as Nathan and his brother. You remember in Uncharted 4? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the two She's of them... She's like the, the like head of some security... Yes, yes, that's her. South African South mm, security yeah. thing, yeah. Um, so you, you're you're playing as the two of them, and it, as well as um, one of the things Uncharted the 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 four the first four games are known for is kind of jumping around all sorts of different exotic locations, and uh, immediately one of the things that uh, it does slightly differently is that it's all kind of based in one country. It's all based in India during a a, a, fict- a fictitious uh, civil war is going on, and you're trying to find because there's always a indiana jones style mcguffin the two of you are trying to find the the tusk of ganesh um somewhere in 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 india and so far i've been in two different locations so there's um there's a city at the start and then you move out to kind of somewhere that's very reminiscent of the kind of the, the plains of madagascar in in uncharted 4 um it it'll come to the surprise of nobody that uh, uncharted lost legacy is one of the more visually striking games i have ever seen mm-hmm. um it's good to see the production quality even though it's only a small expansion does not drop at all that naughty dog engine is fucking spectacular um it is uncharted 4 and this both have this thing where the pre-rendered cutscenes and the gameplay are so similar in terms of quality that there has been a couple of times so far where a cutscene has ended and i have not noticed because it goes so seamlessly into gameplay and yeah. the, the 
actual moving around in the world looks so good. I have seen one thing from a couple of people where it still has that issue that if you kind of just turn, like the motion blur is is insane. Yeah, uh, there is a specific setting in Lost Legacy to turn down or off motion blur entirely. Good. Um, it's default though. I did notice the default on motion blur is set to ten <laughs> out of ten. Uh, so that is probably why people are having that problem but the fact that you're able to toggle it and there's a whole bunch of accessibility options yeah. and stuff like that is uh, is pretty good I'm really happy that um, we're getting a little bit more Uncharted that it's not with Nathan Drake and specifically I'm really happy that it's two female protagonists um, and it passes yeah I want to say it passes the Bechdel test because uh, I, I think the entire opening scene until you run into the antagonist of the piece it was two women having a conversation that did not involve a man. Yeah. Which is which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And the only man that has really been involved in the story so far is not a love interest or a more important character. Um, so that's that, that's pretty good. It's it, In terms of gameplay, it's more uncharted. Yeah, I figured it would it's, be. There, there's no real... Um, you're kind of... When it's the two of them, uh, it's cool because your your combat and your traversal is kind of like when Nathan and his brother were traversing. So there's some cool kind of double team melee stuff. And I remember different ways to climb walls where they'll help you up or you'll give them a boost. And I, I remember in the original trailer, it seemed quite stealthy. I don't know if that. Um. Yeah, definitely. There's a bit more of an element of stealth because you feel um much more easily outnumbered. Uh than I, I remember feeling in Uncharted 4. Um, but it's kind of like Uncharted 4 in the way that like each combat arena offers you two ways. You can go loud or you can go quiet. So if stealth isn't your thing, there's definitely still the... the uh, there's plenty of weapons around to mm. go in and start popping off headshots. And um, for those people who don't like the shooting mechanics in Uncharted, and there are many... Uh, there is a toggle for an, a, a proper auto-aim. So if you like the story, but you don't like how kind of weird the, the shooting mechanics feel, you can just pop on auto-aim and you're just going to automatically lock onto a target. So that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that that's pretty much all I've got now at the moment. Only a couple hours in. It's um, it's more Uncharted. It looks gorgeous. It uh, The story it's telling is pretty interesting so far, as far as Uncharted's story goes. We don't have the same level of emotional investment that we had with with uh, Drake by the end of his saga. So. I had no emotional investment. But so. you know what I mean? Like, the, the kind of the public in general. You're, you're not going to have... There, there's history by the time you get to Uncharted 4 where you know the motivations and the backgrounds of a lot of different characters. <laughs> so it's interesting to try and tell a story the way Naughty Dog like to tell a story, but with characters where we don't know nearly as much about them what? so we're getting the character development kind of quickly as we progress here what i really need to know is does it hopefully shy away from the uh snarky shit-eating grinning type banter um, that nathan is Cl known chloe for? is definitely like a little bit snarky but in lesser so Nathan Drake does it like it's open mic night at improv sometimes. She certainly does. But her, Chloe is more like akin to, not quite on the same level as um, Marvel's Jessica Jones. Okay. So snarky, but in a way that like, I really don't give a shit. Hmm. Sort of like just sardonic kind of put downs um, rather than trying to crack jokes for the yucks, you know, or kind of going, eh, eh, eh. Um... 
yeah, not looking for the laughs, even though there have been a couple of witty lines in there so far. Anyway, that's for sure. But uh, good so far, and I hope to uh, give a, a status update next week. Cool. I'll probably I'll, have finished it off by then, I'd say. I'll probably have a look at that, just because like, I was oh, fine. On PS4 Pro, oh my god, it looks so good. <laughs> it looks so good. But um, I, I, I did enjoy Uncharted 4, but... It lost a bit towards the end, just because it was a bit too long. Yeah, kind of. So, like this being, I've heard this is around about six to eight hours long. Mm-hmm. That seems like a pretty decent length for me to to jump into, and so I I, I probably will give this a look before the end of the year. Mm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's Uncharted: Lost Legacy, and that's really all I've been playing. I'm st- I'm kind of I'm getting towards the end of um, Fallout Four, but uh, I think maybe I'll wait till I've finished all faction endings to talk about that one. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what we've been playing. Let's move on now to the news. News on the mark. First news story this week is kind of um, an update on what's been happening with GameSeek. So we talked about this last week, Mark, and it was the idea that GameSeek, an online video game retailer, are going to slash prices just dramatically uh, in in the hope that kind of as a loss leader, it will it will bring in um, enough punters to offset the, the cost of this move. Um this is from Eurogamer here. UK online shop GameSeek is currently running a promotion that, uh, that on the face of it sees aggressive discounts on big upcoming games and uh, even the sought-after SNES Mini. But customers are having a hard time buying these products in question as the discounted prices advertised are now being... Uh, sorry. And now some are accusing the promotion of being a scam. Uh, GameSeek's Cyclonic Deal promotion advertises the SNES Mini at uh, £50, that's £20 off recommended retail price, Destiny 2 for £30, and Mario and Rab- Rabbids Kingdom Battle for Nintendo Switch for an eye-catching £25. Many other games are discounted well below RRP also. Uh, their Facebook page posts about these deals when they're live, or at least when GameSeek claims they're live, but click through to a website and you'll find the deal restricted by a countdown timer. It seems GameSeek's definition of a live deal does not tally with that of its uh, customers who accuse the Facebook alerts of being misleading and now there's question marks over GameSeek's motives and how much stock it really has at its disposal. Comments on the GameSeek Facebook page are full of anger directed at the retailer. The countdown timer will hit zero and add to your basket uh, an add to basket will appear. One customer said when you press it it will say add it to your basket but will remain empty, refresh and it will be out of stock. If a deal is too good to be true it really is. It's a shame GameSeek had to resort to deception to increase web traffic. Um, I'll go up to, the, there's been an update here. The the CEO of GameSeek then has issued an impassioned defense. An email sent to Eurogamer, GameSeek boss Stephen Staley uh, wouldn't specify how much stock of the SNES Mini he had at his disposal but denied his company's heavy discounts were too good to be true, insisting we are selling them. It's a loss leader. It's just a promotion. I'm more passionate about gaming than business. I'm in a very unique position where I own 100% of the company and can do things other companies cannot. I have no one to report to, no shareholders, no investors. Ultimately, I'm extremely passionate about video games. Mark, your your thoughts on this? It's fucking scandalous. Uh, right. Yeah, go on. It's uh, there. There is definitely something to be said for that adage of something being too good to be true. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, would have I've... been like it would have been uh, very much an interesting idea if uh, stock was freely available to try and do this kind of loss leader strategy. That's the kind of the the route we took last week. The interesting hypotheticals of what this could be. 
but yeah if this really is the kind of the the yeah we're doing it sort of here's a bunch of hoops and we don't have money uh of the the, the thing you're looking for i'm not i'm not wild about this to be honest yeah it's, well his it's just very much as simple as this if you're claiming that you have something that's this crazy uh, offer uh, available and um you go onto the site and you can't get any of those things that they claim to have at that current point in time it's just scandalous yeah pretty simple as that yeah pretty that's a it's a real shame <clears throat> although i'd say a lot of other games retailers are breathing a sigh of relief that this wasn't going to then be this the start of some sort of that could have been domino effect yeah that could have been super interesting yeah um gamestop would not have uh, appreciated that no that's for sure uh, thq nordic are back with a bang mark um uh, and it it already seems like this is going the THQ Nordic's mission statement is to be a return to weird B tier games. Um, I don't know if you saw this. Last week, uh, cover art surfaced for a game uh, published by THQ Nordic called Biomutant, uh, which had some some very very strange um, cover art featuring a kind of like part man, part owl with a an eye patch and a giant fucking Final Fantasy sword. This is very much the spiritual sequel to Biofreaks. And the the description of Biomutant being given uh, in German here in the the cover art that was leaked of being the post-apocalyptic kung fu fable, which is an incredible description for a game. But now we've had uh, a little bit of footage leak um of the game and it I'll tell you what like it doesn't look like it's going to be the greatest game in the world but it, it it looks like suitably fucking weird and there's some potential here for a bit of fun um would this be the kind of like it looks like a kind of it's hard based on the the trailer to nail down exactly what this game is even though there, there there's gameplay footage in it like is it a like a hack and slash character action kind of game? Is it an open world exploration game? Is it like a kind of got RPG elements in it? Well, the, what's the, going on the here? The video, uh, the thumbnail here says open world action RPG. Um, so although just, that just, that's a mishmash of all those yeah, things. Yeah, I mean that's basically what Nier was, but even yeah. still, that's kind of not hundred percent. You know, there's other things going on. So fair enough. Yeah, it um, looks very, very interesting. Um, I'm seeing a lot of Rocket in, uh, yeah, in your main character. Yeah, but I'm looking at stills. I haven't actually seen him animate or that thing animate at all. Yeah, I'll definitely give you that. Um, yeah, it looks like a, an odd thing, and I'm hoping for the sake of THQ Nordic that you know we they they smash it because I like the idea of like smaller games with decent budgets coming out of kind of mid tier studios. I really miss that kind of the weird stuff. Mm. That we definitely lost when we kind of only have we have no middle ground between indie and triple A anymore, really. Yeah, although there was that uh, very good video up by um, Sterling this week about We Happy Few and its triple A ification. The triple ification, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting. Definitely check that out. Always be checking out the Jimquisition, but definitely check that one out. Uh, kind of relevant to our discussion here. Um, if you can't get your hands on uh, a mini SNES, don't worry. Uh, because you will get some sort of, uh, I don't know if it's a consolation prize. Nintendo have announced a SNES-themed 3DS XL. 
uh, one of a couple of new designs for the 3ds xl they launched this week i saw the, the the metroid one which actually looks pretty cool how many fucking different versions of the ds from its like inaugural oh, so inception to where we are now are there so many yeah so many I really like the idea they were going with the the new, is it the new DS, the one with the changeable faceplates? Uh, the new, sure. The new, the, the new, or is the new 3DS? Yeah, the new 3DS, not XL, had the changeable faceplates. It's a small I, thing I li- to do. Makes yeah, sense. I, I liked that idea, yeah. but now they're going back to this kind of Here's stuff. Here's a snooze. Although I I do think like just as a matter of preference, I prefer the the XL model of the 3DS to the standard 3DS. They all fucking merge into one at this point. Yeah. Well, no, just as a matter of like slightly bigger screen, slightly bigger kind of more more weighty thing. Like I don't want my electronic devices to micro. I've never been that enamored with look what we can do with such a tiny fucking machine you know i, I kind of have an affinity for the game boy micro <laughs> you it's do. so you ridiculous do. well known for it um and i also love my my, my 3ds is 3ds xl the the link between worlds special edition mm. which is a, a really really nice piece of kit but yeah um I, I actually thought, like, I thought that the 3DS, I thought they were kind of, with the new 3DS XL, we read a story not too long ago that they weren't making anymore, Look, so. I don't know. Are they going to wring a couple it's of bucks out of that? Nintendo. We yeah. say it every other week, it seems like. You think they're going in one direction, and <laughs> they're, 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 well, they still are, still are, but they've also decided to go over here and over here. And... Um. Here's one that's a very Mark Robinson story. We got some some more details and some more footage of Dragon Ball Fighters, uh, which is uh, I think it's one that's very much circled on the coming soon list for both of us, Mark. Wouldn't you say? Um, I'm not. Sh- Here's the thing, right? It looks incredible, mm-hmm. but I've never been too fussed about actual dragon ball z games in terms of the actual fighting i've never yeah. really been on board See, with them i'm not like yeah i've always been huge about how they look and not so much how they they handle but i there were a lot of people who played it behind closed doors at e3 who said this is the real fucking deal um i think jason a striker from giant bomb yeah, even and I, said and he's like you want to talk about people who know their fighting games and i also think i'm just i think i'm kind of done with fighting games like, I did Injustice this year just because I, I like the story Street mode. Street Fighter kind of broke you a bit. I think so, a little bit. <laughs> but, like, the the story mode of Injustice I wanted to see because I like the way that NeverRealm Studios handle their single-player campaigns. Mm. And Tekken I got because it's Tekken and I, you know, I'm going to play that. Yeah. Um, and because Okada. And because Okada, of course. Uh, but I just, I don't know... I think I'm done with fighting games. Yeah, I, like, if they I make, think this if they, may be one that I pick up in a sale. I don't think this is a day one pickup for me. If they make Dive Kick 2, I'll probably get that. There's a proper... Uh, unlike, I think one of the things about Dragon Ball Z fighter games that I haven't necessarily been mad about before is the kind of habit of uh, making the story mode just replaying sagas from the TV show and not really going through the, the effort of doing much original stuff. Mm. Uh, Xenoverse excluded from that, obviously, because Xenoverse is a whole, oh, <laughs> a whole other weird fucking thing. Uh, but this seems to be some sort of mystery story about uh, that focuses heavily on the androids. Uh, Android sixteen, uh, a kind of like low key fave of mine from Dragon Ball Z, gets resurrected in this, and there's a lot of footage of seventeen and eighteen, uh, and and there's also a bit of footage in the trailer of uh, a new thing called Party Match. Which is your kind of three-on-three match uh, in an online mode, kind of Marvel vs. Capcom style, but it's um, it, 
six online players play the six characters so you're not tagging out and still playing as the the kind of one who tags in it's each individual player plays as somebody else which is that could be frantic to say the least I, I think yeah maybe um I mean, it, it looks fucking amazing yeah. you know everything I, 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 I just I, I think to me like fighting games that are so dependent on kind of like quick reactions and and performance uh, of the engine having to rely on six different internet connections holding up at the same time seems like a bit of a moonshot to me but mm. yeah like you said everything so far yeah, about every... this game like it 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 looks like the fucking tv show it's incredible every gif uh, every side by side comparison between like something a cutscene in the game and the kind of original scene in the series like yeah it looks just uh I, I do want to see that in action. Like, I do want to, at best, or, the, the, like, the minimum is I do want to kind of just see it in front of me. Um, but I've, like, I've never been into those 2D Capcom versus Marvel-type-esque games. They've just never... Like, I never got into the scene to begin with, and I feel yeah. it's hard to kind of come into it, certainly at this point, where there's just so many other games that I want to play, yeah. you know? Yeah. There's a real kind of grind and repetition with that that I just... I don't know. Speaking of Mark Robinson games, Splatoon 2 is getting its first big content update this weekend. And I want to say, for a start, the, the all sorts of videos and promotion around Splatoon involving real people are the weirdest fucking things. Mm-hmm. It, like, from the moment that game was revealed with the dude in his lab coat and the splat doolies doing the pose... Um, to now, this 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 video is well, you know no how exception. like Japan uh, commercials. Are you know how Japan that you, should have been yeah. just the end well, of that. You know how Japanese commercials are really fucking weird. Yeah, it's yeah. like they've just done that, but said you know what we'll just we'll we'll put that to an international market. Indeed, uh, it's getting its first all new maps when uh, Manta Maria uh, with Manta Maria coming to turf war and ranked battle modes this Saturday, and Lost Outpost coming to co op mode Salmon Run from tomorrow. The news comes via a dump of Nintendo related news this morning as Gamecom gets up and running. Uh, also coming to Splatoon 2 is the Bubble Blower, uh, a new special that's coming on September 2nd. All these updates will be in place before the next big Splatfest, which pits, pits the superhero powers of invisibility against that of flying. It's set to take place the first weekend of September. David, yes. invisibility or flying? Flying, because I hate uh, I, I hate airports. Here's the thing, right? Because I have people... And invi- if you ever say invisibility, people will automatically assume you're a pervert. Yes. And not correctly a yes. bank robber. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> like, I had people online saying about, why, why would you ever want to fly? There are planes. I'm like, well, you've never been on a plane before. Yeah, then. yeah. And you've never been stuck in Heathrow. There are planes days. is exactly why I want to be flying. Yeah. Um, uh, just And here's the thing. like, I'm so irrelevant that I feel invisible most of the time anyway. It's, oh, oh. <laughs> Although I'd say, like, above both of those, teleportation. So you don't even have to fly. Sure. You know, instant transmission. Yeah. Fucking speaking of Dragon Ball Z. Uh, there you go. Uh, moving on. Did you see this Shenmue trailer? <laughs> I did. So we saw our first in-engine proper footage of Shenmue 3 at You Gamescom. know what? I wouldn't... And oh my giddy aunt. I wouldn't have been stunned if this was just a hoax. This was just them going, all right, we're going to fuck with them. Like... The engine, like, in general, like, you're looking at the scenery and stuff like that. Like, it looks fine. It looks like that weird kind of... You'll get this when you play Yakuza 0. This kind of, like... Where the the environments look like 
or feel like movie sets and mm. not like living, breathing cities. <laughs> there's something like you can't quite put your finger on because they look f- good, but there's a ring of something artificial and yeah, austere sure. to them. Um, you expect one of the walls to like wobble where it's actually. Yeah, just a bit but like again, it looks fine. I'm not saying it looks shoddy in any way. Uh, the one thing that definitely looks shoddy that people uh, were more than quick to point out is the eyes of every single character in this trailer is a fucking just a like oh my word they are just painted on eyes just with no expression no emotion just hollow and void it's fucking creepy as hell you know what i want them to release it just as it is now just get it out there you know (laughs) And the gif of your boy uh, throwing an elbow and then looking dead into the camera is going to be one of the the, the video game gifs of the year because it is just a like just this just this dead eyed fucking monster. I mean, I've I've enjoyed fans of uh, Shenmue kind of coming to his defense and saying, "Well, it's not about the way it looks; it's about the story." I mean, if they could make it a little bit about how it looks, please. And like, I'm so outside of the circle of Shenmue that I'm enjoying just both sides throwing fire at each other. Mm. Uh, This is great; love it. Uh, Here's a a weird one that came out of the blue. Sorry, do you remember Fear Effect on the PlayStation? It's the one with the lesbians, right? I think so. Yeah, the cel shaded one. Yeah. 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 So that's I never played it myself, despite like being a fan of the 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 cell shading aesthetic. But it's getting remade, like not just remastered, but completely remade. It was a game that was uh, was developed by Chronos Digital Entertainment and published by IDOS at the time. And uh, yeah, it's it's just getting completely rebuilt, and it's going to be out on um, PC, Switch, Xbox One, PlayStation Four. Um, we talked about it was it last week we talked about it or two weeks ago we talked about cell shading no it was last week with it was last week yeah Yeah. um about how cell shading is a really cool thing that we wish had been done more so the 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 fear effect reinvented the game is being called looks like it's very much going down that the cell shading line of things again so very much uh pleased with that that game is 17 years old i wonder how much of a market is still chomping at the bit for more fear effect i remember reading about that game in one of my games magazines at the time and saying oh it looks pretty interesting but they did also coincide like talking about the game with an image of these two women posed in a way where it was heavily implied that they were really good friends yeah, <laughs> that's a diplomatic way of putting it. Yeah. It's weird because this is actually happening in um, it's it's happening in parallel because there was also a Fear Effect sequel that was success- successfully crowdfunded last year that's also being made uh, at the moment. But the call for the the reinvention of it was made by Square Enix, who obviously are the parent company of IDOS sure. Interactive now. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I don't even really know. I imagine because of its time that that must be some sort of like tank controlling type. Well, has genuinely tank don't know. I know it's like a, an, a, an adventure game of sorts. Like for a name for a name like Fear Effect, you would think spooky, spooky. But it's yeah. it's more of a kind of like a a noir kind of um, adventure. It looks tale. quite anime. Yeah, yeah, it looks anime as fuck. Yeah. Um, speaking of <laughs> anime as fuck, Yakuza Six. 
has uh, its release date finally for Europe. It will launch the 20th of March 2018. Are you a man who's excited for Yakuza 6, my friend? Well, I've not played a Yakuza game, but I do want to play Yakuza 0 after a uh, friend of the show, Peter Wellington, did give me the rundown that it's quite amazing. And... Uh, was it not... Um... Um, Kevin Mahan. Yes. Yeah. Well, he also a lot. Yeah. Well, he also did, but I yeah. like he was the one that tipped me over the edge into yeah. buying it. Um, it's it's Yakuza Zero is quite good, but uh, do you know one of the reasons you should be excited about Yakuza Six? Because I get free back rubs out of it. Well, do you know who is in Yakuza Six? No. Um. So this game will feature to some extent or another. Um. The following names. See if you recognize any of them. Hiroshi Tanahashi. <laughs> Hiroshi Tenzan. Kazuchika Okada. Satoshi Kojima. Tetsuya Naito. And Toriyano. I was not aware of this. Yes. What? Yeah, you can look it up. There's uh, there's already footage of out there of Naito in his suit, in his white suit in, uh, in Yakuza 6. Okay, yeah, I'm probably so going to buy this pra- game then. Yeah, you're probably on board with that. I thought you might be. Huh. Um, Xbox One X has had a rough week, my friend. Um, it, the, the Microsoft conference at Gamescom fell a little bit flat for a lot of people because the big kind of cool bonus that was announced with the xbox one x is that it's gonna get its own cool vertical stand oh yeah um the the conference or the the details that were released about the xbox one x got a particularly uh acidic takedown from the the folk at eurogamer and, and many other outlets about just being like a complete bum note uh, as 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 a conference, uh, and then the real kind of the, the 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 headliner here for Microsoft that really, so when the Xbox One X comes out, you know it's all about the 4K gaming, most powerful console ever released, smallest Xbox ever released, all this kind of jazz, and uh, the the anchor game for it to show off how good it was was supposed to be Crackdown Three, which I, Crackdown Three had missed a litany of. Uh, dates that it had said it was going to come out on but we assumed that in hindsight that was because it was getting shifted over to xbox one x now it is going to miss the launch date of the xbox one x as well crackdown 3 now will not release until spring 2018 which means that upon release uh, xbox one x will not really have any like killer app any sort of game now i know the the counterpoint to that mark um is that when the ps4 pro came out it was it didn't have any kind of game that came out on the same day that was kind of like oh here's showcasing the power of the 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 playstation 4 pro but yeah but it also had the back library of the ps4 to work yes with. and it was also already miles ahead the the place the ps4 pro like the xbox one x in some respects is an attempt to kind of win back the not not necessarily because they don't expect it to be a huge seller of a console but more to win back the mind share of people to go oh there are games on xbox one not so much no because there's not like yeah. I, I was it's really tough there's two things. Cuphead First, is supposed to be out in a month as well. That's that's pretty much the only other one for the rest of the year now that Tacoma's out. Yeah. Um. The the two things I want to take from this. First of all, here's a list of games. Right, Dave. This is from uh, Eve Three, 2014. Fable Legends, mm-hmm. cancelled. Yeah. Scalebound, 
Cancelled. Cancelled. Did uh, not get delayed, then cancelled. Delayed. Hushed. Then cancelled. Phantom Dust. Don't even know. That studio got shut down. Yeah. Um, Crackdown 3. Yeah. You know? Moved and moved and yeah. moved. Just an absolute smoke and mirrors. Uh, just, I, I what is you... happening? The, the first party system, like whoever is looking after first party curation... Like, I'm not saying that it's the most dense lineup in the world for a PlayStation at the moment. Uh, but there's still some stuff. You know, we had Horizon Zero Dawn this year, which is better than any Xbox exclusive, I think, that has come out to date. I mean, that's going to probably end up being one of the, you know, higher rated games of the year. Yeah. Certainly from Uncharted Lost Legacy is just mm. after coming out. Um, just I can't think of this anymore proper playstation exclusives for the rest of the year but um regardless that's still two anyway more. nintendo's gonna win no. console exclusive of the year anyway so, yeah yeah you know. this is true yeah the but, um the i don't know if you read the interview this morning that was up on Eurogamer about all of this uh with uh ibarra yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I haven't read it okay so there was a little bit in there about player unknown battleground yeah and which also missed the original date set for it yeah so like they were talking about the exclusivity of it because everyone at this current moment in time believes that it's a console exclusive because it's kind of been addressed as such but you know they were asking about it is like is it a console exclusive is it a launch exclusive what is it and uh they're like yeah it's a launch exclusive so you know it might be coming out on other consoles it's like well you'll have to talk to developers about that so you're saying it's coming out on other develop uh, other consoles. Like, well, it's a, it's a launch exclusive for for Microsoft or Xbox. So it's like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder. It's more of those just kind of verbal gymnastics to not say yes, it will eventually come out somewhere else. Yeah. It's, um, and uh, you know what? It's just certainly... the lines blur so much with that. Like, no wonder people don't care anymore about people saying that they're exclusives. Yeah, yeah. and I can kind of see because like this is. This is, to a certain degree, like a, a, a Hail Mary for them with yeah. uh, PUBG. PUBG, yeah, Pubga. Because it is like the fucking, it is the thing right now. Oh, it's the you hot know. shit. It's, it is, it's the hotness. It is Overwatch last year for this it's year. It's the prettiest girl although, at the dance this year. Although, I, I think it has more players. It, it, I uh, it's bigger, something. but it feels like the kind of word of mouth game that Hitman was last year. Yeah, sure. You know, in as much as like this game came out and people started playing, going, "You need to check this out." Yeah. Although it is selling significantly better, even though it hasn't gotten to one point oh yet. Yeah, that's the amazing thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I can see why Microsoft are like trying to treat it as like this is ours. Come to us if you're on plate. You got to come to us. Come, 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 come. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't think. Still, that's going to be anywhere near... I think the one for me that really... The, like The pulling force. Yeah, that broke the dam where it's like, we're never going to believe when Microsoft says something is uh, exclusive unless it's like Forza, Gears of War, Halo, was the Rise of the Tomb Raider stuff. That was the one where they were found out big time. Um, because Rise of the Tomb Raider, if that had stayed on Xbox, that would probably be one of the best console exclusives of the whole generation, but then it was just a timed exclusive. But that was the first uh, of their notable kind of verbal gymnastics to try and convince you it was never coming out anywhere else. Um, yeah. Big shame. They really need to get some games out on that platform. It's it's uh-huh. it's it's taken the piss, really. Mark, finally, in the news this week, 
the SNES. I talked about it a couple of times already on the show. The classic edition of the, the, the SNES, the mini SNES, is coming out in, in just a couple of months. And some pre-orders went live this week, and it was an absolute horror show. This here is from CNET. Sure hope you weren't hoping to pre-order the Super NES Classic Edition, the pint-sized remake of one of Nintendo's most beloved game consoles, because Nintendo doesn't seem to want your 80 dollars 80 pounds or 120 australian dollars how else would you explain what loyal nintendo fans went through in the past 18 hours we woke up this morning to find that best buy and amazon two of only six retailers pledged to carry the console had launched their pre-orders late at night or in the wee hours of the morning at 3 a.m with no warning whatsoever we didn't find any email notifications in our inbox, even though we'd signed up. We discovered, many of us far too late, that Walmart opened pre-orders at 10am Pacific Time Sharp, again with no warning whatsoever. Walmart sold out in under two minutes. We eagerly added the SNES Classic to our Target digital shopping carts at around 10.15am Pacific Time. Again, assuming we were lucky enough to see someone tweet a link because Target didn't want to tell anybody in advance, only to see Target steal it right out of our cart after we finished editing the credit card info. We refreshed GameStop.com like mad after the company announced it would offer SNES Classic pre-orders today, starting at around 10am Pacific Time, but only found a placeholder page. Uh, that was before the site crashed under the weight of fan enthusiasm. We're still having trouble getting that page to load. When we realized you actually had to go to a physical GameStop store to pre-order the console for its normal price instead of an overpriced bundle, we ran down there only to stand in a long line while the store waited for its point-of-sale terminals to actually let them issue pre-orders, and many of us walked away without one still. We tried the GameStop app, where the SNES Classic was indeed showing up as available for pre-order or with or without bundled extras, only to discover we couldn't add it to our cart or purchase one no matter how many times we tried. On the way back, we got excited when we heard that ThinkGeek was selling SNES Classic 2, only to discover that the GameStop-owned company was jacking up the price with even pricier bundles than the ones that gave us pause at GameStop. In the afternoon, we discovered that the sixth and final major retailer we'd pinned our last hopes on, Toys R Us, wouldn't be offering pre-orders of the SNES Classic at all. Make no mistake, these are things are Nintendo's fault. Yes, these retailers did a poor job notifying people and sure their websites wouldn't handle the load, but if Nintendo hadn't decided to produce and allocate so few of these to begin with, or if Nintendo had only figured out a way to fairly distribute them, far fewer people would walk away disappointed. Mark. The fuck. <laughs> like, even for Nintendo. This is incredible. Imagine, like, so... They are releasing more stock of this than they had for the, the, the NES Classic last year. We don't know how much more. We know they're releasing more. And yet they fucked it up worse. Yeah. What? Well, here's happening. Well, because everyone knew that there would be this issue with the SNES because of the mini NES, it's compounded the issue that much further. It's made people more frantic to get in as early as possible. Absolutely, yeah. And so... Yeah, just these things are stacked on top of each other. Mm. Um, I find it... I mean, I find it amazing that... I, I get why people are... Like, I would like to get mini SNES, but I'm not going to this level of, like, madness to grab one when I can just... I have an emulator in front of me. I can play any fucking game on the SNES that I want to play. You know? Yeah. It's very much just... It's a collector's item. Yeah. 
Yeah, I walked downtown and pre-ordered mine, and if it had been any more difficult than that, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. This is just—it's just madness for what is just a slightly advanced emulator, yeah. you know. But it's got that. They announced this week. It's got a rewind feature. Oh, it's a Persian stuff. <laughs> and I wonder. I. I I can see why Toys R Us have decided to not give themselves the headache of going through this with pre-orders because they just don't know what Nintendo I are going to do. But they will now give themselves the headache of a possible riot. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Their security staff, however much they're being paid, it's not enough. Oh man, um, yeah, like I can't wait to see because there will be a, a clip that goes around on Twitter that will get like a hundred thousand views uh, of just like. The equivalent of Black Friday sales, but with people going into Toys R Us to get the mini SNES. Uh, again, Nintendo. I mean, they do some pretty wonderful stuff, but they're also fucking useless. Trash merchants. They're absolute trash merchants, exactly. <laughs> it's amazing that, like, we've seen Microsoft over this year be just pretty consistently terrible at a number of things we've seen mm-hmm. Sony this year be pretty consistently decent with a couple of exceptions where they've been off the mark Nintendo the, you can't you cannot pinpoint down on any given day whether they're going to do a good thing or they're going <laughs> to yeah. do a bad thing no it, I, you can because you like Nintendo have done a thing to find out if it's a good or bad thing ask them are they doing it with the Switch or the SNES Classic you know what so with the exception of the voice Fine. chat yeah they, they've, they've pretty much stuck the landing on the Switch that's fair. Like, they announced this week that they're going to have PayPal for Switch. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Like, there's no additional bells and whistles. Just, here's PayPal on the Switch. Yeah. The it makes it so much easier to buy Japanese games. Japanese Montana. games, yeah, yeah. Like, the, the eShop, they still, they've not fucked with it yet. It's still just, here's a bunch of games that we've released on the, the eShop in chronological order. Yeah. L- just never touch it again. Just... I don't care yeah. if that... Which, to be fair, is the way I use the PlayStation Store. I don't care if in two years' time that there's, like, 200 games in it now and I have to scroll all the way to the bottom. At least I know that if a game and came out... Well, there's a search bar, in fairness. There is that as well, but I know that even if I want to, like, I just know, okay, this game came out three months ago. I need to just scroll a bunch of there's games down and I'll find there's it. There's something not obnoxious about it. That exactly. there is very much an obnoxious level to the Xbox and PlayStation Store. Well, no, no. I'm talking about the, the 3DS issue because that is by far the most unintuitive I mean yeah the fact that it works alone is and doesn't make you look at a weird kind of like square filling up as it's downloading your game or that you have to unwrap a present or and maybe I I need to take some blame for it but that is the only eShop I've ever used where I've legitimately not been able to find a game that I was looking for (laughs) it is tough it is tough that is the only eShop the search function is kind of fucked on it it's just it's a fucking shambles uh, that's going to do it for the news this week, and we are going to uh, segue now into the Link to the Cast Book Club, which is a feature we do every week where we talk about an important game from the past that you should either play for the first time if you've never played it before, or pick it back up again uh, to, to, to engage in the chat we're about to uh, if you have played it before. And the game this week is a, it's a very, very unique little game from 2012 called Journey. Thank you. 
Journey is an indie video game developed by That Game Company and published by Sony Computer Entertainment for the PlayStation 3. It was released on March the 13th, 2012 via the PlayStation Network. In Journey, the player controls a robed figure in a vast desert, travelling towards a mountain in the distance. Other players on the same journey can be discovered, and two players can meet and assist each other, but they cannot communicate via speech or text and cannot see each other's names until after the game's credits. The only form of communication between the two is a musical chime. This chime also transforms dull, stiff pieces of cloth found throughout the levels into vibrant red, affecting the game world and allowing the player to progress through the levels. The robed figure wears a trailing scarf which, when changed by approaching floating pieces of cloth, briefly allows the player to float through the air. The developers sought to evoke in the player a sense of smallness and wonder, and to forge an emotional connection between them and the anonymous players that they meet along the way. The music, composed by Austin Wintory, dynamically responds to the player's actions, building a single theme to represent the game's emotional arc throughout the story. Uh, the game won several Game of the Year awards and received several other awards and nominations including the Best Score Soundtrack for Visual Media nomination at the 2013 Grammy Awards and a Retail Collector's Edition including Journey, that game company's two other previous titles. An additional media was released on August 28, 2012. Uh, the game was released digitally for the PS4 on 20, uh, the 21st, uh, 2015 and a physical edition was released on October the 2nd, 2015. Um... Journey is probably one of my top three or top five games of the last generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I came into it just with a, f- a few uh, reviews that I'd read that just said, play this game, just just, just play it. Um, and I knew that it was a, a very kind of small, compact uh, type experience and... I mean, this was a few years removed from Portal, but I was looking for that next game that would just give me a couple of hours of just this kind of small, uh, focused, compact type experience. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start with you. I want to know where you come into this with Journey, what your th- experience with. Were you oh, there Mark, at the start? Or? Mark, how poor your memory is, for we talked about this on the podcast once many moons ago, but that I only hopped on when it came on PS4. Okay, and it was on this very show, Mark, that you recommended the 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 crucial strategy that I'm sure you're about to allude to. That it is a game that you really, really should play in a single sitting. Uh, yes, and you shouldn't <laughs> pause and come back. No, and you shouldn't close down the game and come back. No, you no. need to play it through uh, to completion uh, straight away, preferably with a nice set of headphones on yes. to really immerse yourself in. Did so, you do this? I did, I did at the time. I think it was the game that I I celebrated getting my fancy PlayStation Gold headset with, with the the, the soundproofing and everything, like the or the noise cancelling, should I say? Um, Yeah, so that's where I came on board with with this. It was always a game that that had interested me, but it it came out twenty twelve was the last year of my uh, kind of like my my period away from gaming a lot where i was only really playing the likes of a fifa every year 2013 was the year where it all really went crazy again with bioshock infinite sure, and yeah. uh last of us and a, and a few other absolute bangers that came out that year um so this was yeah like i said uh, coming in after the fact and one of the things that immediately grabbed me straight away is what an experiment in minimalism it is and the a real kind of experiment and exploration into the idea of um, show don't tell, mm-hmm. um, telling a story through any medium that doesn't involve speech, 
um which i think this this game does beautifully yeah uh, on, on a level that i i think there have been many imitators but no one has really even the likes of abzu that that came out more recently like is very much journey underwater but i don't think it nearly hits the heights yeah of, of journey it's a very unique thing you you were on from the beginning were you oh yeah pretty much yeah pretty much uh it was one of the first games that i attempted to like record myself playing mm-hmm. um I think partially because I realized certainly very early on that it's like it's a game where you don't really need to talk over it. You can really just let the game do all of that for you. Uh, and also because I was fucking around with hardware seeing what I needed to actually record. It was in 720. I remember that much. Um, but the game, as you very much mentioned there, it very much plays on this idea of minimalism. Um, control-wise, you have... You can move. Um, you can use the uh, the DualShock controller to use. It's basically like a kind of gyroscope to kind of move the six around. Six axis. Yeah, the six axis. That was it. I never remember what that was called. Um, and then you can jump around, jump up and up and get down. Yeah. Um, and then you also had the um, the ability to uh, call um, the chat, if you will, in the game. And that is, as mentioned in the the uh, description at the start, how you uh, talk with other players. And I think because I was coming off of a real burnout from playing online games, because I'd been playing up to the point, I played a fair bit of the likes of uh, A Call of Duty or Online Gears of War. And I'd gotten a bit sick of having to just listen to a 12 year old shit talk you know (laughs) down the internet at me yeah uh and i still haven't fully recovered from that but it was really nice to come into a game where oh wow there's another player and it's like there are these two people that are anywhere in the world right now and i think this is one of the, the things is like when you play an online multiplayer game you're playing with, you know, you'll have like fucking Star Wars or Battlefield say, oh my god, there are 64 people in the arena at once. And you don't really put that much more thought into it that, mm-hmm. hey, there are 64 people around the world right now all joined together in this one, like, moment to play this game. But with Journey, because of how hyper-focused it is on just these two characters meeting in what even though the world is very linear it feels still feels very vast mm-hmm. uh, certainly like in the opening bits when you're in the desert uh, so that when these two characters do come together it's like oh my god what a coincidence what a, a, a wonderful moment to, to meet someone else in this kind of big empty open world um, and you do kind of outside of the game think to yourself oh cool there's some other person right now somewhere else in the world that I'm playing this with and we have no way of communicating with each other other than it's like if you go to you know another country basically and like you have to try and communicate with someone and I had a lot of this in China where I'd have people that I couldn't communicate with like there it was a complete language barrier mm-hmm. and so we had to find ways around that and it's a similar thing here yeah um I think one of the the things the game benefits from is because it doesn't have that that kind of like communicating with players or a vast amount of players in at once it, it doesn't put the onus on you to interact with other people or the world that than most games will do so there's a certain degree to which um 
part of this game and it is the name journey is very um appropriate because it is about the journey it's not about the story that's going on it's not about I suppose it tentatively is about getting to this this kind of foreboding mountain in the background um but it's more about just like just taking it in as you're going along the different things you're seeing like there's definitely a moment like I said early on in the game when you're just gliding across sand dunes where you kind of just sit back and just (sighs) yeah it's a real kind of relaxing almost zen like um experience and i'm absolutely convinced that uh platinum nicked that for uh near automata yeah there's a bit when you're in the desert where you can do that i'm like mm. you fucking nicked it from there no you did and the game as well through its its visual and aural storytelling is um evocative is a word i, w- I would definitely use the both the the, the 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 way the game looks it's a very striking it's, it's almost we keep talking about cell shading it's almost that kind of like animated style um where it does interesting things with with light and shadow and um the the visuals of the game in tandem with what is an an absolutely sensational soundtrack Mm. get you to even though like i said you're not interacting with the world there's not a massively deep story going on you find yourself feeling things you know the the music and the the visuals are driving you in different ways emotionally as you're going on and often it won't seem obvious to you why like you will get this feeling of relaxation going across the dunes this joy of exploration you will go to places like there there are particular places uh, as you're scaling the the kind of the the final stretches of the game where things seem i use the word already but foreboding and menacing and maybe this maybe i i'm not going to make it maybe this is a bridge too far for me and there, there's this kind of this dread that starts to build up like a yeah. like a knot in your stomach kind of it, it's incredible the way that without ever speaking a word the game gets you to oscillate so wildly emotionally throughout yeah it's it's amazing that a character who has no real kind of recognizable facial features mm-hmm. there's no speech and uh, a game that doesn't you know directly throw a, a motivation at you it's amazing how much you get invested in this yeah. avatar yeah you know and how like like you said how despite being expressionless because of the lack of facial animations how emotive that little character is in yeah it's in its movements and it's it's exploration and just little noises and kind of kind of um audible uh, suggestions that, that are going on in there and um oh there was a, there was another thing i was gonna say about that it's completely gone out of my head now you were gonna say something oh i was gonna say that um one of the other kind of really striking things about this game that is always very daring to do is to not give you uh any kind of real antagonist you know yeah. now there is the the big fuck off uh kind of dragon like creatures that yeah. serve as kind of the stealth section of the game but that was the other thing during the, the stealth section one thing i found that that's very unusual about this game is that because of um the way video games have gone in the, the post 8 and 16 bit era we treat death in video games 
largely like a just annoyance as we have to wait for it to load back up again we don't actually get invested in our character dying it's just a mild inconvenience yeah but well, i mean it depends when, on the game you know for the most part sure. like i'm making broad generalizations here but particularly at the time because this would have been at the 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 zenith or near depending on the way you look at it of the the gray brown military shooter era mm-hmm. um so like death was inconsequential really in a lot of uh video games but there's something about your character in journey being in peril and and the way the game portrays you being in peril and the the cell section with the dragon is a, is a particularly um is one that particularly makes that come to mind where you genuinely are like tensed up yeah about and it's not in in the way you'd be tense during like a scary game that something's going to jump out and spook you you're just like jesus i don't want anything bad to happen to my little dude here well i think it's that and it's also because it's the first time in the game where there is that sense of danger yeah yeah um so it's a very isolated thing where up until this point yeah the game has been very uh tranquilo yeah yeah it's not been it's not been like relentless threat since you started it uses the concept of threat very sparingly and because of that because you don't actually know what the ramifications of dying are Mm -hmm. you know it's like okay what's gonna happen here yeah i don't have a little like picture of a hood with x3 for oh i have three lives from a little dude here at the yeah at the bottom you don't know what will happen you don't know what the are there consequences does it send me in a different path do i do i die do i have to restart the game from the very start again what goes on um uh, you get a lot of people who played this game at the time so when i played it on ps4 i encountered a couple of players all right but i imagine it was it, it was much easier at the time when this game was getting all its word word of mouth popularity there are people who will tell you stories about how just they will encounter another player and will start following them on their journey or that that person will start following them and you get this weird emotional bond with a player you don't know and you can't communicate with and it's a very very interesting dynamic um yeah and this also goes into what i was saying to you uh on whatever show it was about having to play in one sitting because you do end up forming this kind of... You do form this connection with this other player. And if one of you decides to jump off and say, okay, I'm done here, you know, then you come back into the game at some other point the next day and you're yeah. not with that person again. And you, you kind of go through all the, the trials and the tribulations of getting up into that point. And it does... There is a certain kind of hollowness that is found if you then finish the rest of the game without that character that you met along the way on the journey. Yeah, you never communicate with them, but then if you're on your own again, like I, I lost on my playthrough, I lost the player I was with during the stealth section, and it was just me from there on out. And it did, it was kind of, for the the, the, the drama of what's going on then, it was a very, a very appropriate time to find oneself on your own. Um but yeah there is a certain even though it is quite an an isolating experience in some ways the game it it's an incredibly there's an incredible pang of loneliness to that player suddenly not being beside you yeah and that really is kind of one of the things about the game as well is that um yeah as you say if you don't if you play through the game you don't come across another person there is a sense of isolation but it's not loneliness Mm -hmm. if you do have the other person and then that person's gone yeah. yeah, as you said, there is that sense of loneliness that definitely comes uh, through with it. Um, I love just the way the game looks visually. You know, it has 
at points uh, a, a, a kind of Studio Ghibli anime vibe to it certainly the the works in the kind of mid to late 80s and early 90s um, some of the, the backdrops the environments between the desert between the mountain um, between the way that the little bits of carpet kind of float around you uh, the part particle effects on show the the kind of sand waterfalls there's just I mean I haven't played the game in a while um, but I remember coming away thinking like I've never seen a game like this mm. you know um, and I'd love to definitely go back to it at some point and see the PS4 version yeah and uh, it's pretty yeah, I'm sure it is, and just the way that that um the sound kind of complement each other, just that yeah that musical score. And I mean, there's a reason you know mm. he did so well in terms of his musical score. Yeah, uh, because it's just you know there was orchestral very... and it's it's grand when it needs to be, it's sparse when it needs to be, and it... not whimsical. Not whimsical because a lot of games of this ilk, yeah, you feel like like um un was it unravel from last year. Uh, yeah, yeah, full on like with Yarny, with Yarny, full on whimsy to the nth degree. Yeah, and Journey, when you kind of think about it, if you try and explain it to someone else, whimsy kind of feels like a vibe that you might go for, but it's mm -hmm. never, it never goes into that territory. And I think that's one of the things that I do appreciate it yeah. about it as well. Uh, and even if you wanted to, before we wrap up here, like you talk about the ending of that game, um, <sighs> not to, to spoil it all, but the way it kind of just ends. There's, there's a moment of kind of dramatic tension and then you proceed on past that and then the, the game kind of just ends like on a kind of fade to white sort of uh, screen and you get your kind of the, the, the game's credits and you, you find out if you know the name of the player you've been traveling with or whatever but to me and I said about how the, the name Journey is very appropriate and to me that's the final lesson of Journey with that fade to white is that that's the final realization that you're not going to get an explanation of what's been happening or what the point was in doing all this because at the end of the day it's not about why you were getting to the mountain or what happens when you get to the mountain or the crevice at the mountain the the, the point of it is that journey hmm. the point the, you know the, the the point of it is what happened to you along the way um what did you feel what did you experience what did you see um and less about the kind of the the dramatic conclusion of the piece i think yeah it is a, a real um achievement um the a game that is very much focused on on minimalism in the way that it um ex explores its story and the character mm-hmm that there is a lot of emotional investment in there and the way that the game ends does leave a kind of lasting impression you know i definitely yeah. feel that the ending is one of the more impactful endings i've seen in a video game mm. which just you know when you explain journey to someone oh you are this kind of nameless faceless character walking around the desert and then up a mountain you know you don't really think of it as a game that can have that kind of emotional resonance until you actually go on that journey yourself, you know? Uh, so Absolutely. I just, I think if if we're kind of doing this as an elevator pitch now that, yeah. Um, I'm not going to go on the whole games is art spiel, um, but I do think that as a game that is on that kind of higher nadir of being... Uh, an interactive experience, 
if you want to try and find a way what, what do they call it for like film um or comics like if you call a comic a graphic novel yeah you know with a video game it's an interactive in- experience interactive experience this is what you might kind of think about it's like an interactive that. painting in yeah a lot of ways sure and just to just to get lost for a couple of hours mm. with no real aggravation no real stress like it has tense moments but um it's just a real uh roller coaster of uh feelings and emotions uh in a game that you definitely wouldn't think at the start would be possible of doing mm. and is absolutely game where just sit down play through it in about two and a half hours uh hopefully you'll meet someone along the way and uh yeah it's uh it's really really good well that is journey in the book club welcome welcome here in an esteemed company uh one last bit of business here for us to do before we wrap up the podcast and that's for me to say what the game is going to be next week for the link to gas book club so that you can have a look at it yourself before we start talking about it uh and mark i i've been liking the trend we're on here with interesting animation and uh cult classics i think has been the theme of the last couple of weeks here with killer seven and with journey um so i'm gonna keep that train on going uh, I'm going to go back to a console that we, we only recently talked about for the first time. I'm going to go to the year 2000. I'm going to go to the Sega Dreamcast. And I'm going to go to a game called Jet Set Radio. <laughs> so, episode 80 of Link to the Cast will be Jet Set Radio. That is going to do it for episode 79 of Link to the Cast. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and most podcast platforms. Just search for Link to the Cast. Subscribe to us there. Rate us, review us. It all helps. Share the podcast with a friend. Tell them about it. Hey, would you like to listen to a 100th video game podcast in your in your busy queue? This is one I like. It's as easy as that. Website is linked to the cast.eu. That's where you get the show notes, the periodic articles we write, all sorts of links coming out of there. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, link to the cast at gmail.com is the email address. But social media is probably the best place to keep in touch with us to follow what we've been doing. Um, and kind of uh, see new content as it's posted. Facebook.com forward slash link to the cast and at link to the cast on the tweet machine there to get in touch with us or to follow us. Uh, I'm at Dave Ryan IV. Mark is at Lithium Project. Sometimes we stream video games over at twitch.tv forward slash link to the cast and archive later on YouTube. Just search for link to the cast. Our weekly sh- video schedule, typically when we're not uh, busy with real life matters, has Mark with Mark on Mondays on a Monday. Uh, Mark, any anything in the works there for Mark on Monday is coming up? Yeah, see, I I was getting ready to stream some Titanfall 2 this Monday, just gone, but it's like, I, I don't... I don't know. There's something about it that... I'm not, I don't think you've gotten to the point yet where it, it goes cuckoo bananas. Maybe. But I just wasn't feeling Because believe me, there is. I don't know whether it's just because... Um, having to jump back into a first person shooter I'm just not feeling it like I'm I'm definitely yeah, having a downtime from FPSs at the moment yeah I would definitely at some point even if you don't get back to it soon I would definitely persevere at some point when you when you feel like it uh, is there anything you're thinking about 
going towards and tickling your fancy lately? Uh, well, I can't stream the Switch, so that's kind of part of the problem as well. It's a real shame. It is, yeah. 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 Someday we'll have enough money for Capture Gear. Possibly. But uh, that day is a while off yet. Um, Wednesday, then, is generally Retro Corner 64, but we have to uh, bank a few of those, because I think with ISS Pro last week, we ran out of ones we have. Um, but this Wednesday, we did drop a new episode of the Grap Up, our occasional wrestling podcast, so there is plenty of graps to enjoy there. Thursday is the day this podcast comes out. It's the only thing that gets released that day. It's an hour and a half, two hours, so that's plenty for your day. And Friday is Friday Plays, my solo series, where I'm playing through whatever tickles my fancy at the moment. We will be on to the second last edition of Friday Plays Oxen Free, which genuinely is one of my uh, favorite little surprise uh, dark horse games of the last couple of years. Uh, the more I played that game, the more I liked it, and it really left a lasting impression on me. So follow me as I... as I get to the beginning of the end this week on Friday of Plays. As I said, that's going to do it for Link to the Cast episode 79. Um, I've been Dave Ryan. That man over there has been Mark Robinson. We will see you all next week. <laughs>